Hey, what's going on? It's episode 8 of the A-League podcast. We we up in here. What's going on? How's everybody feeling this this uh, this week? We're all good, man. It's another football week. It's, <laughs> it's always great when it's another football week. <laughs> Can't yeah. go wrong with that. Yeah, I'm good, too. It's great to be back on the show. Episode 8. Sensational. <laughs> Sensational, of course. Sometimes it's the thing is, Rashad. Even one word answers from you are are, are epic. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, got a lot to get into, of course, today. And um, first thing I want to mention was, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, but um, the show Atlanta. You know, Donald Glover, of course. You know, uh, AKA Childish Gambino. He's behind it. So, um, I've been, you know, I've been reading some stuff about the, you know, about the show, and you know, so far for the most part. You know, I've been reading some stuff. I had a chance to, I guess, catch a little bit of it. And it's been getting rather rave reviews. And, of course, you know, since um, I'm going to let Rashad a little bit go a little bit um, on this since he, um, since he knows, you know, all about, you know, this uh, and everything. So, uh, what you, particularly, what you, what you think about, uh, about the show? Man, first couple of episodes to debut. Uh, this is the, the character uh, that Donald's playing, Earn. That's, like, the closest thing I've seen to – a character representing me on TV and like all the experiences, all the people he comes across and throughout the city and stuff that's a hundred percent real to me. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a real true, genuine, uh, representation of Atlanta. Uh, I mean, I know Atlanta, like we said last week, Atlanta's like a state of its own. So there's a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different stories, you know, uh, my view of Atlanta is going to be different from someone else's view. So, but, but I loved it. It was hilarious. And, yeah. Okay. Uh, what What do you think is you know? Do you think that it's really getting to the diversity of the you know of Atlanta? What I, I haven't seen the show no, yet. Um, not at all. So it's just it's from one part of Atlanta's perspective, or is it kind of touching on everything? I, I haven't it's seen just, it yet. Honestly, it's just uh, just it's just like the, it's just stereotypical. I mean, I look at it as you know you cover the hip hop scene, and it's just like. And that's the way. That's what you really see. But they try to give you a different lens from the hip hop scene. Like you, you hear the mentions of like you know the nightclubs like Compound and and you know it's the black, pretty much black Atlanta, from a black Atlanta perspective. Yeah. But but I think it's important for sure to get that perspective as well because Atlanta is such a hub, I guess you can say, of African American culture that. You know, getting that perspective, when you get that perspective, it's almost as if you're getting the perspective of the city as a whole. So, you know, and there's just, there's just like like Rashad, you just said, there are so many stories. There's so much that goes on. And like, we, and like I mentioned last week, it really is a city of transients because so many people are moving here. So, you know, you got people, that, like I said last week. You got people here moving here from New York, L.A., D.C., Canada, all over the world. They're coming to Atlanta, and they're coming to Atlanta to live their new lives. So getting that, you know, getting those perspectives and just, and just being able to do that, I think is one of the beautiful things as far as what this show, you know, is able to do. Because, you know, there's a lot of people out here that have sort of a negative perception of the, of the city. I don't know why, because it's a great place. It's a great place to live, you know, great place to, you know, to, to play, work, anything. So... Getting that perspective, I think, is really, you know, I think is really important, you know, for the overall, um, you know, for the overall perspective. Um, so, so I really like everything that has, uh, you know, they've been doing. I mean, me personally, I don't like the show. Uh, I, I look at it as, 
you know, it's it's just like same story being told over and over again. Like if you've seen ATL, you probably you it pretty much is the same thing pretty much. It's just like uh, you know, like the Ti character. It's kind of similar to the the Danny the the uh, Glover character in terms of just like being like the 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 one who you know he lives that life you know he's in a lifestyle, but he can also see the you know, positive side to try to be the positive point of the show. Uh, it's just like you know like when people talk about Atlanta, you know first thing you know they talk about is like hip hop, strip clubs, you know, and it's it's more to Atlanta than that. It's a very diverse city. Like you know it's just. Like the one of the main characters is Paperboy. He's a rapper, and you know, like not everybody like when you first stereotype somebody from Atlanta. Classic why they ATL got, stereotype. Yeah, like why they gotta be a rapper? <laughs> or, <laughs> like why it can't be something like a like going to law school or being a doctor or something? You know, just like a, because why, a lot of people from like the neighborhood that Donald Glover's from, they don't get that. They don't see that when they grow up. You know what I'm saying? It's all about perspective. And my bad. And that's Donald Glover's perspective. Growing up from where he grew up and, and you know, projects, apartments, the uh, the lower class in Atlanta, a lot of those people don't see. And I know because a lot of those, I don't want to put them on blast or nothing, but a lot of them I'm related to. They, they don't really see, like, the, the only type of person they saw that, that was different than, than what they saw on TV and, and in the media to, to make it, quote, unquote, or to, to live a comfortable lifestyle in the middle class. It was my dad, you know, their uncle or, you know, their cousin, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of people growing up that that's all they saw. So that that's all they want to pursue. And I know for myself, because a lot of my friends, not just family, that's what they want to be. They want to be a dancer, a rapper. And that, that. And I don't think anything's wrong with it. I mean, that, uh, but the, the one thing that is wrong with it is that's the only thing they know. And, this show is just giving a fair representation of what they know. Like the kids, when um the the rapper Paperboy, you know, he shot the dude, and uh you know he got arrested, and it was on the news. It was a big deal. Everybody's like, oh Paperboy, shoot out, shoot out. So the kids had uh, a little toy water gun, and they were like shooting each other with it, and then they were like, I'm Paperboy, I'm Paperboy, and Paperboy came up, and the mom was like, oh. Take them guns away! You're not Paperboy. This that, and Paperboy was like, "I just want to apologize." Um, hey kids, it's not cool to shoot. And they was like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "I'm Paperboy." They're like, "You're not Paperboy." He was like, "Yes, I am." He started performing the song. They're like, "Oh, you Paperboy!" And they were all celebrating him. But just a few seconds ago, they were criticizing. That's the true reality of Atlanta, and just why why that stereotype exists. Not just the stereotype, but why it's the reality. Of what's going on in Atlanta right now? I'm still I'm, trying to uh, get over the name Paperboy. Yeah, Paperboy. I mean, <laughs> honestly, David, if 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 the show is more like what you were describing, I, I will, I'm going to be really disappointed as well. Um, I was really hoping that it would kind of touched on some of the other areas of Atlanta, but the reason people think of Atlanta like this is because you know it's become the hip hop, basically the hip hop cap- capital of the world right now. Like, I mean, every time you hear a song on the radio. This is a rapper from Atlanta. I mean, you got Young Thug, Future, so et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, that you're right when you say that. I I, I really wanted them to, you know, show more to Atlanta than that. But I also agree with Rashad when he was saying that you know a lot of people that grew up in Atlanta, that's kind of where they're coming from. So I feel like that is a true representation. So I'm gonna have to check it out for myself, but. I mean, I really, I really want to see what he's really bringing and what he's, what he's, um, what they're kind of representing because that, what Rashad was saying is, 
hip hop is really big in Atlanta. People, a lot of people do a lot of the stuff they're showing. From what I've heard, you guys are telling me this is a lot of what goes on in Atlanta. From what I can tell, I mean, just the thing I can say is just like you know, we look at we look at society now. Like you know, growing up, you know, we didn't see movies where a black president was there's a black president unless it's like a, a comedy movie or Morgan something. Morgan Freeman, maybe exactly a comedy movie. And now we got credible movies where we got black presidents, and it's just like you know, it all, it all start. Unfortunately. You know, this society is is influenced by TV still and music. And Heavily. It's, and it's just like, could you just see the, imagine the impact? Someone like, you know, Glover, who, you know, produced a TV show. He obviously has a fan base, and he sees the TV show, and he's like, oh, you know, now everybody wants to be a rapper. You know, this guy's hustling to try to become a, you know, try to make it to law school or hustling to try to make it become a doctor. Because, you know, you look at, like, people that are coming out, like, even from Atlanta, like Samuel Jack stuff, these people weren't, you know, they, were, they, weren't, well, they weren't rich. They came up and they, you know, they had their adversity, but they they didn't want to be a rapper, and they didn't come from the best parts, the best parts of Atlanta. But the one thing I can say positive about the show was I liked that, uh, like uh, Glover, he touched on uh, how uh, it was one character he was they was in jail, they got arrested because Paperboy had shot had shot a dude because he knocked his uh, his little side mirror off. So there was a guy in there and he, he was talking to his paper route. He was talking to this girl. He was talking to this this girl, this crossdresser, and he said, you know, that was his ex, and they used to go way back and stuff. And they, and they was trying to say like, and the guys in the in the jail were like, you up here talking to a dude? And he's like, nah, man, it ain't even like that. And you know, they're trying to talk about him being gay. And you know, Glover is just like, you know, sexuality is a spectrum. And he's like, so you know, he wasn't trying to say that he was gay, but he's not trying to say he's not gay. But it was just interesting, like a different view on how. On how it is now, on how sexuality can be viewed, because you don't really hear that often on TV shows, especially like that. And another point I saw was just like they had this little mental, this little mental guy. You could tell he had mental issues, and he was just over here like he's you know dressed up like he came out of the mental ward, and he's over here drinking, drinking water out of the toilet and stuff. And everybody's just laughing at him, even the cops. And then Glover's just like this man needs help. And you know, a lot of times, you know, especially especially in um, you know you just look at people like that. You know, some people just laugh, and they don't even think about, like, this dude, you know, they'd be like, yeah, he lost his mind, he'd be on them drugs and stuff, but, you know, just the idea, like, he needs help instead of just adding on, like, laughing at him, too, you know, that was, that, was, that caught my attention as well, that was something that stood out to me, but, you know, it, the show, is, it's still early, the show's got potential, it's just, you know, I just, uh, I just really hope they just take advantage of the the hype that they're getting, because it's, like, it's, it's been a while since the show uh, that's I can't even think of a show that's on FX that has an all-black writing, all-black writing cast, and and an opportunity to reach out to many fans as they do now. Yeah, but uh, like even with those people that you just named, David, like all those names are in entertainment. Samuel Jackson, who, who else you named? All the people you named were in entertainment. How did Donald Glover make it? He made it through entertainment. So that's his perspective, and that's how he made it. And everybody that you named made it through entertainment and that's so that's all we know for like i mean that's not all we know obviously but like that's all like a lot of kids know mm-hmm. is you make it through entertainment you know so you, you, i think you answered the question yourself and like like you said like the show definitely isn't simple-minded he touches on a lot of uh just uh issues in society uh amongst them the the two that david mentioned so i mean i like the show some people aren't gonna like the show because it is very stereotypical 
um, just the fact that they're smoking weed and it's kind of like around a rapper and the one guy that can't get his life right, he ain't got a job and he in and out of jobs, he broke, trying to make a way out of no way. You know, that is kind of stereotypical black dude in Atlanta, but you know, I, I like it. In many ways, you know, David touched on a pretty good point about also the gay representation because some one of the things that we sometimes forget is Atlanta, as much of a black hub as it is, it's also become a pretty big gay hub as well. So getting that representation and just getting that out there as well. And also we're going back to what you said a little bit earlier, Jeremy, about, you know, how Atlanta has become sort of like this hip hip hop capital of the world, which it is. At this point, I mean, like you said, just about every single, you know, just about every single rapper we, we hear is just about from Atlanta. And it's been that way for almost, you know, for over a decade. So just getting that, you know, getting that perspective and everything and also about the, um, you know, about, you know, what you what Rashad was saying, you know, earlier about, you know, just those, you know, just those representations as well. I think those were definitely all, you know, all great points. So. Like David said, I mean, it's early. I mean, they, um, you know, still, uh, you know, still a pretty good ways to go. But, um, but I just, you know, I just think that in a lot of ways there are some things that, you know, with any show they can certainly, they can certainly improve on. There are certain things that they could probably go ahead and, you know, probably, you know, probably just, you know, work on a little bit, or possibly they can look in some things and they could probably say, hey, you know, we're doing pretty good with this. But um, no show is perfect. Nothing is perfect. But, um, but. Um, you know, it, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's 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 one of those um, it's one of those shows that I feel like, like you said, is telling his perspective of how it is. And, you know, with entertainment, kids, as we know, are, are definitely influenced by media. They're definitely influenced by media. They're influenced by media at a very, very, very young age. So getting his perspective and just understanding that they're influenced by media. It's also it's also a big thing, and especially they're influenced by hip hop. They're definitely influenced by hip hop. Like you know, not just not just black kids in Atlanta, and not just African American you know boys and girls you know across you know across the country, across the world, but even you know, but even non blacks like white people and Hispanics in the suburbs. So they're influenced by that as well, and that's um and that's really one of those things that I think is brought to light here because of the fact that. Just so much of it is really just done in many ways, you know, through his um, through his perspective. But um, but you know, um, still still uh, still ways to go. But um, definitely something to um, something to check out for sure. Right, definitely. And uh, last thing I want to say about the show is, uh, I mean, Glover he didn't want to create a, a fairy tale. You know, I mean, I think so much times and you know, growing up, we always saw the extremes of one thing. We saw like either uh, good times where they couldn't catch a break or we saw something like uh i don't know i want to say the cosby show where like both parents were doctors all the kids went to college right like, both of those are two extremes right you know like and so so what he gave well it wasn't a narrative that was like you know given by like all oh, the black people have all the power and it's an anomaly or all oh, the black people are so broke they can't even afford to eat a sandwich in the morning you know it, it's it's reality, you know, it's it's real. And that that's what he, he was aiming for. He wasn't aiming for like, OK, I want to give black kids this story. Like, you know, you could do anything you want to do, because I mean, honestly, that's that's not really true. <laughs> you can do everything, especially after what do. we've been seeing as of late. Exactly. You can't even kneel down for the national anthem or they'll play it before you come out. Mm. 
True. But true, yeah. true, true. I That's mean, I yeah, I mean, you know, we could, you know, we could do, like you just said, that the whole national anthem bit, we could do possibly a, an entire podcast on that because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, as we talked about in the past, particularly with Kaepernick, that's really, um, that's really complex. But, um, but, you know, um, pretty good, you know, pretty good show, you know, with the first two episodes, you know, coming out. So uh, we shall see what happens, of course, in the future. But, um, on the whole UGA GSU bit, and I know Jeremy, of course, you know you're pretty much, you know, Mr. UGA, of course, you know you ble- you bleed red and black. Um, la- you know, last week, what do you think of what you saw on last week? Um, I'm cautiously, um, how do I say it? Cautious, cautiously excited because I saw a lot of great things on Saturday, but I also noticed that there's a lot of youth on uh, Georgia's team. A lot of times, youth can have really high ups and really low downs. So, um, you know, today they got Nicholas State. That's a practice. And then they go into Missouri. That Missouri's game's, Missouri game on the road at night is going to tell me a lot about Georgia's team. Um, I, th- I, I really didn't really – I cringed a little bit when, as much as they relied on Nick Chubb on Saturday. Um, and – I cringe at how much they relied on young defensive linemen in the SEC. Um, but there's talent, and Kirby Smart definitely has built another atti- a new attitude that's capable of winning anything and competing with anyone. So I'm going to cautiously say I, I I feel better about my 11-1 and one pick, but I also have cause to pause. <laughs> you still on the 11-1 and one bit? Yeah, I, I, but I still have cause to pause, man, because I'm – I don't. I, I. I'm not sure what to feel about all this youth out there playing so early. But I did learn that Jacob Eason is is really special, and he's going to be a very, very good quarterback. He's going to be one of the best. He's a starter. Yeah, he's he's the starter. He's going to be a, a number one draft pick. There, I mean, it's the way he stands in the pocket as a freshman. He stands out there like he when he walks on the field, he just has this swagger that he's the guy. I mean, like the great Matthew Stafford. Even better than Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford didn't have that it factor or poise when he stepped out there. He looked like a freshman when he stepped out there. He only got this aura about him his junior year. Jacob Eason has an aura about him that I honestly find very rare in quarterbacks. And it's I've only seen it with maybe Andrew Luck, and it wasn't there his freshman year either. So I don't know. This guy's Eason's really special, and I don't I don't know if I've ever seen a young quarterback this poised and with this much upside since I since maybe Elway maybe and I wasn't even alive to see that so. <laughs> <laughs> but he has that kind of talent and upside yeah it was uh it's kind of kind of hard for me to say this because you know I don't like Georgia but uh <laughs> full disclaimer <laughs> but uh oh gosh it's hard they looked good but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah I was uh you know, coming from North Carolina last year, so you know I've been around a lot of Tar Heel fans stuff. So you know I'm over here like you know go Tar Heels, and uh, I, so I thought you know yeah Gene Chizik, the old head coach, uh, as defense coordinator. You know I seen yeah you know, I, I thought they was gonna put the game away. I thought they were gonna next thing you know yeah you because know, they had a uh, Lambert. You know, like Lambert gave them a chance to win. And I was like I was like you playing for blue, ain't you? <laughs> but, uh, I was I was uh, I was like wow they uh they got a little attitude about themselves like you know they got resilience like I feel like old older Georgia teams in the past they would have not came back from ten points that would have been a wrap and uh, like they they were resilient and it's 
much. And, like, they kept going. Like, uh, Nick Chubb playing hard, you know. That's another thing I noticed. Like, the, maybe that's a – I don't even I – I don't really watch Georgia that much, thankfully. But, uh, but <laughs> from what I recall, like, they usually rotate more backs out. So, like, for Chubb to get all those carries, that was kind of surprising. It kind of reminds me of Alabama. Uh, so, I guess maybe Kirby's bringing that over there when he has a workhorse running back. Um, really that – Chubb played so much because, you know, Sonny Michelle's he's he's still hurt from the broken arm. And then Elijah Holyfield was hurt last week, too. So, they really didn't have anybody other than Douglas, and he fumbled and then the oh, freshman yeah. here. And so, that's kind of, that kind of takes – puts some of those carries on Chubb. That's that's kind of what happened there. Oh, so was it like that in the spring game, or did they split them with carries? In the spring game, they used Tay Crowder and Shakiri Wilson. And those uh, – Shakiri Wilson's a wide receiver. And Tay Crowder, I mean, he's a – He's a guy that is, could could be really good for it, but I don't see him ever really playing at Georgia. I mean, he's one of those guys probably going to end up transferring. I mean, just being honest. But uh, yeah, they have they have, uh, have a little add to ourselves. And I was pressed by Maurice Smith. I can he like he really stands out amongst all the Georgia players. And it's just like you know if he can if Kirby can bring in players like Maurice Smith, like so you can really tell like the players that Alabama recruit versus players that. You know, Mark Rick recruited in his last days, and it's like it's a it's a difference. You know, I can see why they win because this DB's not even not even a go to DB like that, and and he's out there standing out amongst all of them. I was just like impressed, but you know, I also saw that you know these receivers over here burning the you know these uh, receivers over here burning the DBs. And I was like, and then white receivers. So I was just I'm not used to seeing that right there. So <laughs> so I was just like. Uh, I was like, okay, uh, this is going to be a long game because all he got to do is quarterback. If he just get one of these long bombs, he's just, that's going to be it. Just get it a couple of times, that put that put Georgia away. But he could not connect on any of them. And then Maurice Smith started making plays. I was like, okay. So, they, I think they, I think the coach needs to quit with the, with the two-quarterback system. I just don't see how Lambert adds to it because, you know, they try to make it seem like he's a, a veteran presence and, he, you know, he's got experience stuff. I like, like, he used to look like he's a senior out there. Oh, no. And it's just, they need to stick to it and ride East to us, you know. I can see they have a losing streak or something. They go back to Lambert, but I, I doubt that would happen. But I think the George team got potential. Uh, I'm very I'm very impressed by the resilience and um, uh, the talent I saw from Georgia right there. Not really so much the talent just because Georgia always has one of the top recruiting classes. Let me take that back. But the resilience they showed, uh, you know, I remember, if you remember last episode, episode seven, shouts out to all the listeners that listen every week to the A-League. Yeah! uh, (laughs) I was talking about uh, Upset City, you know, I mean, Upset Watch, Upset Alert uh, for UNC over Georgia. Uh, Jeremy called me stupid. Um, <laughs> we, we went back and forth it for a minute, but uh, UNC they they I was I was like oh snap UNC might pull this off, and then uh, you know the the freshman came in Easton and uh, my guy man shouts out to Nick Chubb what dude like he came back from an ACL injury <laughs> one year ago it it dude is is looking like he put one of the most impressive season opening performances that I can remember in college football and uh th- well let me just say his uh, nicknames the chubster the chublunker uh <laughs> but you know my guy Nick Chubb man two over 200 yards and won that game for those guys when 
we really didn't know who was going to seal the deal. Oh, no, no, no. Lam- Lambert was in. And everybody's like, what are you doing, Georgia? <laughs> what are you doing? And, like, everybody on Twitter, the whole uh, timeline was like, what? 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 Oh, and, come uh, again, honestly. You know, we just handed off that ball, and Chubster took us home, man. And uh, so UGA, they, they definitely they look good out there. They, they got popped a couple times by UNC. I had to put that in there. Um but yeah, uh, like like Jeremy said, there is a cause of of concern because they're really really young, and there was uh, a lot of moments in that game where you could see that it's gonna take them. Like you don't know if this is their year for sure, but this definitely could be their year, and it's kind of like a toss up. They could either go uh, the regular ten and two and go to a regular bowl game, or they could go eleven and one or twelve and zero, go to the final four, and. Um, you know, not win it, but go to the Final Four. Well, unfortunately, they play in the East, which isn't fair. But you know, they. I mean, but the East is the East isn't looking like like what we thought it would be. And the West isn't much better. Right. The West is just Alabama. True. Oh yeah, Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. Yeah. All right, but the only team that scares as a Georgia fan, or as a, if I'm a Georgia coach, the only team that really, I just know if we step out there on the field, we don't match up with them is Alabama. Everybody else is beatable. This is the first time I can say in maybe the last eight, nine, maybe ten years that Georgia is capable of beating every team in the West except for Alabama. And uh-huh. I mean, and even in Alabama, if they got into a, a shootout with Alabama, you know, I think Georgia could possibly hang with them before, you know, being in a tough grind-out game. But that, if my Auburn Tigers get a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, they, they're, they're a mess. True. They're all over the place. Right, right. Yes, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say about them. And they still almost beat Clemson last week. So, yeah, just <laughs> quarterback. I, just like, I think the main thing with um, with Georgia is like like everybody said, the whole idea of the youth versus you know the attitude and the resilience because they certainly show that. And if I think what should give UGA fans such as yourself, Jeremy, you know, a lot of um, you know, some some optimism is. Even if it doesn't necessarily happen this year, you can tell that, you know, especially with Kirby Smart, because they hired him for a reason. They hired him for a reason because, number one, he's not Mark Richt. (laughs) But, but, you know, they hired him for a reason. And even if this isn't necessarily the year, I think there's a lot of optimism out there in athens Clark that they're building towards something that they're building towards something that they should have been for such a long time. And, you know, they've they've had all these years of underachieving. Now, all of a sudden, they're finally building towards something to where maybe they can be up there and sort of like be, I guess you can say, that Alabama of the SEC East. And it's like, and, you know, they have that going on. So I think that there's there has to be that, you know, sense of optimism certainly there, you know, in Athens as far as, you know, as far as UGA. I really do think that they're building towards something. If they don't get it this year, I think within the next two years I will not be surprised to see them in a the national championship game. I really believe it. Yeah. I also uh the last thing I have to say is that, you know, I'm really glad that they hired somebody who is a is a Georgia guy, you know, like Mark Rick he he loved he loved the program. He loved coaching, you know, Georgia, but he wasn't somebody who the G meant anything to. To Kirby Smart He didn't commit quote unquote commit to the G. Exactly. Kirby Smart, the G actually mean it actually means something to him because he play, he put on those colors and he's you know, he met his wife at UGA and he he has a lot of ties with the area. So that community means a lot to him and when something means a lot to you 
I feel like having pride in it will, you know, make you want to commit to it a little more and it mean a lot more. I mean, not to say it didn't mean anything to Mark Rick. It's just, I don't know, the hunger is there to bring something to the place that you know is really dear to, near and dear to your heart. And, I mean, it matters to him more than just, you know, a regular coaching job where it would just be him making money, you know. So that I, he waited on this job and he finally got it. So, He's gonna. I think he's really like you said. He's building towards something. So that's 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 the most exciting part to me. That's certainly exciting. Absolutely, just like I said, that's certainly exciting. And you know, that's certainly one side of the collegiate football ledger. And then you know, um, and on the on the other side, I guess I guess you can say is I guess you can say I guess on the other side is I guess is GSU because. They, <laughs> you know, they had, you know, they had their opener and, um, you know, they had a lead. But um, but um, I guess for for some reason, they, you know, they just uh, it didn't pan out all that well. Yeah. GSU had their own uh, a quarterback battle of their own, but it, it didn't quite work out like Georgia's where they, they just put in the other guy and, and everything was uh, everything was cool and everything was peaches and cream. You know, they put in the other guy and their uh, struggles were still there. But uh, Winchester, it, I think you have an extra dynamic with him. And um, in four years, you know, when it's all said and done, I think he could have a pretty good college career. Um, he can run like no one I've, I've seen live before except for Vic <laughs> run before. And I'm dead serious. Like, as a quarterback, he can – that kid – he has he has a vision, man. Oh, that's some pretty. That's some pretty big. Say shit. who? Uh, uh, say like, what? What's his name again? Uh, uh, Aaron Winchester. Aaron Winchester, the red shirt freshman. Uh, but he can't throw the ball. Like he didn't throw it at all. He uh, threw uh, like I two times. I respect you said Kelton Hill or something, but you said you uh, said uh, Michael Vick. Yeah, I'm talking about all the quarterbacks I've seen uh, run live. I've seen. I went to high school with you know Anthony Jennings. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying, but other than Big Man, seeing that kid run the ball in person, bro, it's he's legit. He, he can he can he sees things in holes and. But then again, complete disclaimer: uh, Ball State's defense is pretty mediocre. Let me just throw that out there. Okay. So it was Ball State. Oh. It was Ball State. It was Ball State, guys. But the the they way beat that Ball that, State last year. Yeah, the the way that he saw the holes and attacked and and cut and. He's very impressive, very impressive guy. Athletic. I mean, they beat Ball State last year, so. Uh, right, right. Manning yeah. was a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense, oh, my gosh. The defense has improved so much from 2014. Uh, I remember 2014 is the worst. Defense. When they gave up, like, what, 60-something points to Georgia Southern at home? Yeah. That uh, defense was trash. I, I said, like, if you put a million dollars in the end zone and told Georgia State, if you stop this team from getting in the end zone, you can split the million dollars amongst yourselves. <laughs> they couldn't do it. You should have seen 2013. Those were painful. Those were painful <laughs> years. That, that, those I mean, were painful you, years. Yeah, some I will say something, though, Rashad. <laughs> right. uh, first of all, you gave me that, – that really surprised me that you said that about Aaron Winchester. I, I hadn't – Really seen him play live. I wasn't able to see the game Friday, uh, but I definitely want to check him out now. But from what I looked at, from what I noticed, you know, over the last year, um, from when I first got to Georgia State to when I left, uh, I definitely have seen a change in the uh, the type of players they're recruiting and the, the athleticism on their team. They're, that's going to the defense, the side of the ball. Uh, uh, coaches tend to put their best athletes on defense. So, 
that's that's definitely a, a great starting point for uh, Coach Miles. They began the season with Jerome Smith back to back picks, and the pick six was the first score of the season by Jerome Smith. Wow, yeah, he's uh leading the second in the I think he's second in he's in the top five in the country right now in interceptions. Right. So it's only he should have had three, oh. right? Should have three. So. But uh, I'm really impressed. I mean, if you can build a great defense, you can you you can work with your offense. Offense will come later. I mean, they just have to learn how to run the ball, which they've had problems with for the last. Yeah, year. it's been like since Donald Russell left. Yeah, I mean, even, even he didn't really put together a thousand yard season. So Ben Moore was hyping them up. Like I was talking to Ben Moore the other week, and he was like, uh, Donald Russell was like, hands down the greatest running back in Georgia State history. Yeah, but the guy who broke his record only ran for like seven hundred yards. Yikes. So. So, yeah. Who's that? I can't remember his name. Um, what was the guy that uh, graduated like two years ago? I can't remember his name. But you remember? His it, name? I mean, mm, they, not sure. The first thing they've done is build a great defense, and for them to take that next leap into actually being a contender, I mean, I think they'll still make a bowl game this year, similar to how they did last year. But for them to really challenge App State or Georgia Southern in the Sun Belt, they're gonna have to take that defense they're building and then create a running game, a consistent running game, and not, not count on one quarterback because it, there is no way uh, one player should make a difference enough for them to lose to Ball State last week. That's unexcusable. Um, right. Yeah, it just got me uh, – seeing them lose to Ball State just got me worried because, you know, you see South Alabama beat Mississippi State and App State beat – University of Tennessee, or SEC. Sun Belt's not a joke, man. Yeah, like no, I remember, joke. I was in high school. It used to be a pretty, it used to be pretty tough. Uh, but I was just like, wow. It's just like you know, it's one thing to see a Sun Belt team threaten a SEC team, but they're actually beating the SEC <laughs> team. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so I was just like, man, like uh, I just realized, like we gotta play these teams because, right. <laughs> like, when. When, uh, when I first came to Georgia State, you know, South Alabama was like the rival. You know, that's the only yeah. team that Georgia State could – if they could only win one game all year, they could beat South Alabama. But I don't know if they could beat this South Alabama. Yeah, it's uh, no, I think I'm it's not so, I'm not so these, sure. These teams actually match up athletically with these SEC teams. Like, it's not it's, it's not looking out there on the team and being like, oh, those are, those are grown men over there and these are little no. kids. Those guys are just as big and just as fast looking as – the guys I see in the SEC every week, so yeah, I was just like, I was, I was like, okay, man, Georgia State—they're gonna—they're talking about Sun Belt championship stuff. All right, man, they're gonna run yeah. through there. They're gonna lose to Wisconsin, they're gonna lose to Air Force, <laughs> and then they're gonna—and then they're gonna go play uh, Southern and beat them in the dome and go and make, go and get to the Sun Belt championship. And I was like, I don't know about so, that. Southern is Southern <laughs> is still up in the air, just. For the the rivalry aspect, hey, who does primarily Southern, who they play this week? I can't remember. Uh, Air Force, Air Force, Southern net, net, on yeah. the road. Uh, Air Force today, and then um, at two. Oh well, by the time this comes out, it's gonna be over. Um, and then next week, Wisconsin. And then Southern play. And then uh, I'm not sure who Southern plays this week. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm not sure who Southern plays this week. Yeah, I'm just like. Oh like, man, who, who's like who's an easy win in Sun Belt now? That's what I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> it's really hard to go and look for easy wins, even if you're a good football team. And, I'm, and Georgia State's to me, they're still a really a decent. Okay, they're a good football <laughs> team. They're not they're not truly contenders yet. I'll put it like that. But they're contenders to make bowl games. Right. They're not on App State's level. They're not on South. Alabama's oh, definitely level not. Definitely Georgia State. I, I don't I don't think that was the expectation. The expectation was to take one more step from. 
barely making the bowl game last year. Yeah. Which they're not going to do. Eight or seven wins is what you're that's what you're saying. That's not going to happen. Yeah, right? I know. No, yeah, that's that's a pretty high bar. I don't know about eight or seven wins. I think if they can get possibly maybe five, maybe around the Georgia same. Georgia Southern had South Alabama. Maybe around the same six. Uh, maybe that's good. They, I mean, they had to win that I mean, ball state game. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's Georgia Southern playing? South Alabama. Okay. Oh, that should Ooh. be a good game. That should be a good game. Yeah, that should be a good just, game. Uh, I'm setting that for sure. I just hope they uh, – Talking to Conference USA right now because it started looking like the SEC <laughs> in terms of like there's like you know, like South Alabama, Southern, App State start looking like clearly a whole different class in Georgia State. Like y'all need to go to, go to Conference USA. Y'all can play y'all can play Charlotte and stuff. Y'all can get some get some wins over there. FIU teams like teams like that. I also caution uh, people to kind of relax on you know saying that their season's over because of the season opening loss as. I don't know what it is about season openers, but Georgia State has, for over the last few years have been notoriously bad in season right, openers. Right. I don't I don't know what it is about season openers, but uh, they don't they're not an early season team. A lot of teams seem to have that, you know, a lot of teams seem to have that problem as far as the as far as season openers are concerned. But um but I think the thing that, you know, for those that don't know, I think the thing about Georgia State that is just so fascinating is just the, just the overall ascent of the program. I mean, you know, this was a, you know, this was a program that I remember ESPN once had as like the worst football program in the entire country for oh, Division yeah. 1. And, and when I when I saw that, when I saw that headline that was on ESPN, I was like, "Oh, man, like that's Texas really Last year, side note, Texas was. Oh, Texas has Texas has fallen from grace. I mean, Texas, they, they used they to be. They flipped the script. They flipped the yep. script. Those, but, guys, those guys are here. They're back. Texas is back. Oh, that was a nice win. They, that was a nice win they got this past week. That was right, Notre Dame, right? right? Yes, I'll, I'll yeah. say it first. Texas is back. They, they had one of the top recruiting classes for the past few years. It was about time. Yeah, they should. Mm. <laughs> they ought to. They all, ought to, absolutely. All that oil money, they should. Because <laughs> <laughs> Texas sends players consistently or at least they're, they're they should with all like you said the money they got they send players consistently into the nfl which is a pretty good seg- segue into what we want to you know get into next so anybody catch the thursday night game i'm pretty sure unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's that unfortunately fantasy, uh that's me fantasy. oh she said unfortunately we say unfortunately uh you know this you know again you know i worked for the panthers last year and and you know, so being part, of, being up in North Carolina last year, and, and being up there around time Super Bowl it was just depressing. Like the city was sad. I remember the dance Super Bowl it was just like everybody just had a sad face, and it was just like the Jordan face. Yeah, it was just like oh. <laughs> and so everybody, you know, for months they hyping, like, we're gonna beat Denver, we're gonna get them this time. Then you know we had, you know, and then Benjamin was coming back, so that was pretty exciting. But right, it was just like. I mean, I'm starting to, I'm starting to like turn on Coach Rivera. It's just like he, he's starting to run me a Mike Smith. Really? <laughs> it's, it's just like uh, after, after two consecutive losses. <laughs> oh no, no, I watch it. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, I watch every Panthers game for years. Right, right. And so I'm just telling you, like, look at their games. Like first half, don't just sound familiar. Like Atlanta fans, like first half, <laughs> you start off. Oh a, no, you start off aggressive. I said, don't get mad. Don't get mad, David. I was saying it's aggressive. It's, they start off aggressive. They're blowing teams out. And then second half, they start running the ball. And next thing you know, they got to hope that the kicker or Cam or somebody or Thomas Davis get a game-winning, a game-selling pick to win the game. Oh, that's, just, that's, that's right out of the Falcons' playbook. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's one thing I, like, I noticed it because it's just like, you know, on paper, they got the talent. And then, like, uh, this – Second half, the second half of play calling and stuff, it's just ridiculous. And then we still got Mike Rimmer starting at right tackle. Like, uh, the first half, you know, they got 
They got him doing, you know, Mike Tobert doing chip blocks, helping him out against Von Miller. You didn't hear Von Miller name called it at all. Next thing you know, they gave him Mike Remus one-on-one with Von Miller. And you see what happens. They swole his head up like he was good. Yeah, I was just like, I was mm. like, oh, God. Oh, Mike Remus, that dude, man. Von yeah. Miller was like lunchtime. Yeah, he was like, because Michael Orr, he's up here getting struggling with uh, DeMarcus Ware. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Because that's one of the biggest knocks on him is just his consistency. But, David, you're missing the point, man. What's that? Cam Newton, man. He, he, you know, like I said two weeks ago, he's trying to build a brand. He's out here so worried about. The first half he balled out. Exactly. And he talked and talked and talked and talked and smiled and danced and played and had fun and flossed his teeth. But when it got down to crunch time, who was everybody looking at? Cam. Was, what did he do? He came up incredibly small. I was, I was looking at the like the play calling. It's just like it was I, like uh, like you look at the difference between like when when uh, when Brady plays Bronco stuff. The ball gets out of his hand quick. They got they got Cam over here. Doesn't matter. You got the MVP on your team. Yeah, it's just it doesn't matter. He got him just throwing it, trying to lob the ball out to Benjamin 10, 10 15 yards down the field. Olsen, 10, 15 yards down the field, and he's over here running for his life. As they call these plays, and it's put him in bad position, and it's just like, you know, here's the OL. Just well, you know what, uh, man, it's. I agree with you. They do. Ron Rivera reminds me a lot of Mike Smith, by the way. That 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 that's true. But at no point has Mike Smith ever had a Cam Newton to be able to rely on. Like Mike Ryan is not in Cam Newton's. Oh yeah. Uh, he's right now. He's building his brand. That's. That's the issue. I mean, That's the team talented. is the team is not as talented as people think they are. There's only seven players on their team that are guys studs. that anybody. Yeah, it's studs. You got Cam New, you got Calvin Benjamin, Greg Olson, Luke Keekley, Trey Turner. Yeah. Thomas Davis. Tom. Oh, Thomas Davis, and Shaq Thompson. Everybody else are guys that are replaceable. Oh, Ryan Khalil, eight guys. Yeah. Everybody else is replaceable Actually. and are guys that any other team will be like, uh, okay, I mean, they're not, there's nothing special about these guys. So, I mean, they're not as talented on the paper as people think they are. I hey, forgot KK Short. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a baller. So nine guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's a good that's a good problem to have for, for most teams because some teams don't even have that. That's true. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I bet you Cleveland will take it. that problem. We're looking at you, Atlanta. I bet you. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Cleveland will take that problem. They'll take that problem any day of the week, even though they do have RG three. I was um. What was interesting to me is I was you know after you know I watched a little bit of the game and then you know I saw some things I saw some highlights and a lot of people were really you know they were talking about um, Trevor Simeon who was you know was in for the Broncos a quarterback of course and a lot of people were trash. <laughs> now, I won't necessarily say trash, but I will say that there are a lot of people out there that were just absolutely just slurping this guy. Like, there are a lot of people out there that were, you know, that were making Trevor Simeon up to be like the next Peyton Manning or the next John Elway. And I'm like, slow your Why would roll. You do You're that? going don't, don't do that to yourself, Denver. Don't do that to yourself, Denver. Uh, it's like a game manager. Yeah, he's, he's getting Paxton Lynch uh, spot warm for him. Uh, speaking of just Broncos quarterbacks, Broncos great quarterbacks, that guy Tim Tebow, 
No comment. I Who? guess I guess that, that that speaks as as much as you need to know. That there's no comment from the A League about Mr. Timothy Tebow. It's <laughs> uh, minor league. I really can't. <laughs> it, 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 you guys, it, it, you guys hear like he uh, uh, he gets uh, certain days off to do SEC Network still. Of course I mean, he does. He's even though he got the minor about. league deal with the Mets. He, yeah, right. They, they, they're what? letting I mean, they're letting him get certain days off. So he can do SEC Network still. It's, it's, it's Is that no, no? You, you said Cam Newton's building his brand. Tim Tebow's really building his he brand. Is. He Tebow's gets got games. a brand. He's That's just, the thing. He's just giving so much, man. If if he was any other player can get hurt, they play every day. This is baseball. They can get hurt, and you never hear from them again. This man gets to take days off to do TV. Right. That's pathetic. I don't. I don't want to talk about Tim Tebow. I'm tired of seeing him on my television. He's not good. He's not good at football. He's he's if he was good at baseball, he would have played baseball out of high school. <laughs> so why does this man get an opportunity? And you got people who don't get opportunities and they play for 30 years. And you got guys that aren't in the minors. In the minors, struggling. Years in 10 the years minors. in the minors, and they get a call up and they get one opportunity. They may get up there and get hurt, and you never hear from them again. This man gets an opportunity because he's famous. I don't. I don't like that. I got a friend in high uh, from high school, not a friend, but he went to high school with me. Who went to the? Uh, he went to the minors in 2010, and uh, he's still there. You know, he's a first round draft pick. So it was like, you know, everybody out of high school is like, "Oh snap, you gonna make it, bro? Two, three years." Nope. And there are a lot of people in the majors that will that will be in the majors up until their up until their 30s. Like you have you have some players in Major League Baseball that don't get called up until their 30s. And Tebow, I, I was listening to somebody, by the way, who, th- who thought that it was Tebow that pretty much chose New York, that there were all these teams that were, that were I guess, trying to get at Tebow, and he pretty much chose New York because it's New York City. That's sick. Well, no, no, the, the, the minor league team is in Florida. Yeah, yeah, well, the minor league team is in Florida. Sales. The, the minor league team is in Florida, but it's still affiliated against with the, with the New York me. Mets. Trust me. He will play some point with the Mets with the in the next two years. <laughs> no, no. That's, it's, it's, it, 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 it won't get that far. Trust Jordan. Trust Jordan. Me. Trust me. Jordan. Jordan. If they didn't let Jordan go to the White Sox, they're not going to let it's Tim Tebow go to Baseball different now. Yeah. Baseball, first of all, they're not star. They're starred for attention like True. Like no other True. point in the history of baseball. Right, right. And we live in a social media world now that, that didn't exist when Michael Jordan was trying to play baseball. Right. September call-ups of next year, it's going to get really interesting to see who calls for Tim Tebow because the Mets are going to be like, well, what do we have to lose? We can bring this guy up or we can add 25 pitchers that we're not going to use. And by the time, they, maybe next year, like they're out of contention this year right now, Maybe next year they'll be out of contention again, and they're like, well, let's call Tim Tebow and fill our stadium we just built five yeah. years ago for the last month of the season. All right. Mm. Which yeah, is going to be sad to see. Yeah, say MLB attendance is, like, really bad. You, you think they uh, – I, I really think the Mets signed Tebow just because they heard the Braves were interested. If the Mets really did sign that really did do this to sign Tebow, then I really feel as if, you know, since he's a celebrity, I really feel as if they did this because – even though the Yankees have struggled as of late, they haven't won a World Series since 2009, which by Yankee standards is a drought, it shows they're still living in the shadow of the Yankees. It really does. Right, it really right, does yeah. show that that in New York and in Major League Baseball in general, they're still living in the shadow of the Yankees, which also is a pretty good um, transition into what um, I wanted to get into this um, into this bit with um, 
with uh, what's his name Swanson from the oh, from the Braves. Dancy Swanson. Swanson, the yeah. kid. Uh-huh. They go. It, he's he's really gonna put on for the city of Atlanta. I'm I'm really excited for, for what he's gonna do. Not just for the Braves franchise, but just for the city, man. You know, hometown kid plays his heart out every single night. Makes plays in the field that we've only seen from a few guys. Like, well, the Braves fans have seen it. From a uh, uh, old old dude that that plays for uh, Anaheim now. Oh Simmons. Simmons. Oh, yeah. Simmons. Simmons. You, you know we we seen those plays from uh, Andrelton Simmons, but you know this guy can do it with the bat too. He gets on base. He can run. He's athletic. <laughs> you know defender. He, he's nice with the glove, man. He's a good player, and yeah. I'm just excited for him. Yeah, Andrew I'm, Jones. Sort of like Andrew Jones was. Well, he was, it's well infielder. So like oh infielder. You know, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Infielder, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm really excited about this guy. He's, uh, you know, how I bragged about Jacob Eason earlier. This is how I feel about this guy as well. He also has that winner's aura, once in a generation type talent guy. Uh, you know, Derek Jeter just retired from the Yankees what two years ago now. Um, right. This guy's our Derek Jeter. He he's not overly physically talented. I mean, he's not gonna be the biggest guy he's not gonna hit the ball 700 feet or he's not seven he's not six seven he doesn't run a four three but everywhere he's been he's a winner and uh he's he he knows how to play baseball he's a winner and that's this is the kind this is the kind of guy you start a dynasty with like you can build around once you have this guy in place you can you can put guys around him and Ozzie Albies. Yeah, Ozzie Albies is going to be next. That that double play combination in a few years is going to be one of the best we've probably ever seen, defensively anyway. Um, but yeah, he's the kind of guy you build a championship team around. I think that he's basically going to be the the uh, the head of the new you know Braves, the fourteen consecutive championships. I mean division titles. They probably won't ever do. Nobody's ever going to do that again. Right. No. Mm-mm. But no. In the next three or four years, they'll make a worse they're making a World Series appearance. And that guy's and Dansby Swanson is gonna be at the head of all of that. Marietta guy, shout out. <laughs> shout out to Marietta. And on on top of everything else, they also need someone that can sell tickets to get people to go to that new stadium. Because I was thinking, okay, you know, the Braves are probably one of the worst teams in baseball. Then they get now they got this kid coming up. This is exactly who they need to make to get, you know, to get butts in the seats in that new stadium so you know that's a you know even even if it's in Cobb County they, they're gonna get you know this kid which is I even really better get it. right exactly yeah. closer to home yeah exactly and, and like you said he's a he's a local kid so you know getting you know get people to that into that new stadium and getting people excited about the Braves because people have not been excited about the Braves in a pretty good bit of time now all of a sudden they got the excitement and that's exactly what they need that's exactly what they need around it I don't know if they meant to do this or not but just by bringing him up to the major leagues and adding Matt Kemp, they've actually made themselves a pretty decent team yeah, this year. Yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they're respectable. Yeah, they're definitely a respectable team. If they take this core and go into next year with it, I mean, honestly, if they went into the team and not and didn't make any moves, right, right now I think they are a team that goes 500. And then Albies is getting called up next year. Yeah, then you're so, gonna have Albies, yeah. and then you're gonna have you're gonna have to find something to do with. Uh, I mean, there's, they're at the point now where they're starting to find out that guys can play. And now you're like, what do you do with some of these guys? Like Adonis Garcia, I don't know what they do with this guy. This guy put up a great second half, and I don't really know what they do with him because I don't think he's going to be the starting third baseman next year. But he has, he's made a case for it. And right. Ender Enciarte, the center fielder, center fielder of the future, and I kind of thought they wanted to tra- – 
I kind of felt like they wanted this guy to play and they were going to trade him. But now you got him and you got Malik Smith and then you got right. you got a bunch of guys that you can move around now and it's it's really exciting. But I mean, they don't really have to add much. And, and get let, let's get Mark Kikis the heck up out of here. Yeah, he got to go. That's gotta the one go. guy's got to go. He got to go. And the and again, another great thing about the Braves is that they're playing in a division. You know, you know, even though uh, Miami is somewhat okay and Philadelphia seems to be somewhat okay you know they're playing in a division where Washington is vulnerable I mean they yeah. seem to be the best division but Washington is vulnerable because they can't stay healthy yeah they're an injury away from being a team that's, that just they're in the Braves position next year so thank you uh, I, I think Matt Kemp has a, a good two or three years left so like Jeremy said that third his best year, years were in LA yeah oh oh well, obviously, obviously right. he's he's not he's not Matt Kemp that we know, but yeah. but he, he's he's, he's got he's got two or three years left, and mm-hmm. I think like like Jeremy said, in three years you give Swanson three years, you give uh, Albies two years, uh, you guy like Malik Smith coming back, Freddie Freeman of course probably has five years left, and that's not even that's not even including Austin Riley and Travis Dimitri and right. Kevin Mason and Fulton Nevich is putting it together, and then you got Sean Newcomb and you got you got Cole Colby. Allard and Ian Anderson and there's guys deep in this right. in this in this farms in, in their that, farm in their system farm that system, is yeah. really exciting and they if they get to the major league and they all live up I know obviously most of them aren't going to live up to live the hype, to hype yeah. but if mm. if they get half of those guys to live up with their talent level man it's right. I'm telling you man they can rattle off four or five. Young players are how the Cubs got to where they are right now because exactly. they built up a right. they built up a farm system. They the were Royals. bad for a lot of years. The Royals too. They built up both teams. They built up a farm system. They were bad for all those years, and now all of a sudden, look at them. You got the Royals won World Series. You know, last year Cubs could do it finally after a hundred plus years. This year, and the Fingers Yankees crossed. are doing the same thing. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Right. Exactly. So, um, uh, and what, let's see, uh, um. Somebody was uh, letting me know about this article as far as um, on Fox Sports with um, c- possible NBA contenders for, um, I believe it was MVP. Um, uh, the championship. Yeah. Oh, the championship. championship. Right, exactly. Six hopeful title contenders for the 2016 season. And guess who was on that list? The Atlanta Hawks. Jeremy? Yay. <laughs> David, y'all agree? No, I, I no, I almost I, cursed I on here. I, 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 I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> almost cursed. I here we go. I almost cursed, man. Here we go. <laughs> I, I I do not agree with it, and I'm the biggest Hawks fan by far. I almost on the cursed him, and y'all almost had me doing something I don't even do like that. <laughs> I mean, it's just they ought to be ashamed of themselves, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's preposterous. The most, it's the it's the most attention I believe they've gotten since I recall, like really following basketball, and. Yeah, I think probably since uh, my senior high school, they went to the playoffs. Uh, that's probably the last time I seen them get as much attention. You know, you got like a superstar and Dwight finally joining, uh, finally joining the team. So it's just, uh, I, I just don't see it. I mean, because for one, like, I like that they have Dennis. I like that. I like to have Dennis. I'm not really a fan of the baseball resigning, like, and uh, and you know it's still starting. It's still signing. It's still got 35 year old Corver starting at shooting guard, and it's just like I don't see. That's not screaming to me. We could beat Cleveland. Uh, it means like more like second round or, or third round if we can avoid Cleveland in the first second round. Who who wrote this article? Can you can you tell me the guy's name? Or other 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 female? Can woman? can can I say uh, Aaron? Aaron, I can't pronounce the last name. Yeah, Aaron, uh, I can't pronounce the last name. 
there is no way on earth that the Hawks are going to beat LeBron James. It's simple. It, it's, hey, it's literally that. LeBron James cannot beat Dwight Howard. This as, has been as proven. As long as LeBron James <laughs> exists on the planet Earth, Maybe you space, maybe, maybe space jam. I'll, I'll finish the sentence. Maybe space maybe, jam. Maybe the aliens come and take him for the playoffs, and they need him to save the planet. In the and they take LeBron's talent, and they still could. Kyrie Irving is better than everything the Hawks have. So, as long as long as LeBron James exists, the Hawks aren't beating him. There is nothing they can do. But Dwight Kent, Howard can beat LeBron. Kent Bazemore <laughs> guarding LeBron James is like a nightmare. Yeah. On Earth, like. I don't understand why they think this is gonna work. I don't. That's why I was so mad that they resigned him because there's no chance Kent Bazemore is stopping LeBron, scoring 20 points on LeBron, or doing anything that affects LeBron in any negative way. So they're not beating them. Uh, and if they get by them somehow, I don't know how they're not beating the Warriors. No, I think take I them think off the list. That, that, well, the thing about it is, uh, it's not so much the Hawks being on it; it's the people the Hawks are over. It's like San Antonio's not on the list. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, well, I, I think, uh, side, side note, like Fox Sports is losing a lot of their credibility in my eyes because I don't know if they hired a bunch of Hawks fans this summer, but at the beginning <laughs> of the summer, there, 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 there was an article about uh, the Hawks are being a serious dark horse to sign Kevin Durant, uh, and then this article came out. And then yeah. you know, uh, another article, it wasn't Fox Sports. But the article about the four sleepers for MVP and Paul Millsap was one of them. Yeah. And we don't right. even have the time for that. So, right. so I'm not even going to get Jeremy started. Exactly. Uh, that will be, an, you know, be but more fair. There is one thing proven. In the Eastern Conference, if anybody can stop LeBron James, it is Dwight Howard. Thank you. But Paul Millsap's on the team, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> That's another conversation I mean, for another time. It just looks like now, at this point, it's just like you have to have a big defender at small mm-hmm. forward. Because you look at the past couple of years, you had you know Sean Marion, Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know uh, Iguodala guarding him. Like Atlanta doesn't have that. You know, usually has somebody who gets in his face and frustrates him. Like Instead, was, they have Kent Baysmore, the net. Yeah, <laughs> that's, then, that's a net to LeBron. Get off me. Practically, yeah, like, that's, that's nothing to LeBron. And then they double-team him and switch on him. I'm like, why are y'all putting Jeff Teague and Dennis on Garland? They want to get dunked on. They like <laughs> I guess they do. Because LeBron is going to get his regardless. Exactly. So, yeah. you might as well, so you might as well just give it up. All Absolutely. Right. I agree. Yeah. I mean, you know, like like Jeremy was saying, you know, as long as as long as long the Cavs are in the East and as long as they got LeBron, you know, they're, they're probably not going to be beat. All right, another, uh, another great episode of the A-League. Episode 8 is in the books. Uh, real quick, uh, everybody uh, give the uh, – Get they social media um, things. I, um, of course, Akeem Balaam at um, Akeem Balaam at the Gram and on Twitter. Uh, David Norwood at the Norwood ninety for Twitter. Yo, what's up? You can hit me up on uh, my hotline. <laughs> blank. Yo, <you> know. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Johnson. Uh, Clark underscore Kent seventy five. I get my Superman on. All right. All right. Ooh. And this is the A League. We out. See ya.
Watch out.